This is the Behind the Micah podcast, where we discuss Jesus, community, and everyday life. I'm your host, Micah Stephen, and our goal is always to take people from where they are to where they need to be. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to Behind the Micah podcast. Hope you're having a great day today. And uh, it's Valentine's Day today. Happy Valentine's Day to those of you who are listening to this. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second. Jason's gone today. He's out. He's down at the Winter Worship Convention or Conference uh, down in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And so he is not going to be on the podcast today. But um, we're going to push forward and go through the best we can with just your host, me. So, hey, um, Valentine's Day. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to what you guys did for Valentine's Day this year. Uh, or did you do anything for your spouse or your uh, boyfriend or girlfriend? Or did, what, what did you do for Valentine's Day? I, I'm curious um, if that's a big thing or not. In our house, it's not really that big of a deal, to be honest with you. Um you know, honestly, I like, I, I don't know. Am I, are you supposed to, is that like, you know, mandatory for you to get flowers for your wife? Um, is that what that is? Like, we didn't do that. I mean, we do things throughout all the time. So we just said, you know, happy Valentine's day. Love you. That kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm not really certain if that's a, a must thing or not. I'm going to take, I'm going to take her out. Uh, tomorrow but uh you know i don't know ladies is that what you want do you want flowers and chocolate are you the kind of person who's like hey just give me a break from my duties as a mom or as a wife um give me give me a break from that kind of stuff like is that would you rather have that or uh, i'm curious i'm curious as to what a, a good valentine's day uh, thing would be nonetheless i think this time of year i always remember uh one of my favorite things about valentine's day was growing up we used to do um valentine's day boxes like you would create a cool box out of like a shoe box or something and it would be a place for everybody in your class at school to put a valentine in you guys remember this did you guys do this um i think one year i turned a shoe box or with the help of uh, my mom, we turned a shoebox into a like a Super Nintendo. Um, and that was super cool because, you know, Super Nintendo was where it was at growing up and uh, people could insert the Valentines in the top of the uh, what looked to be like a Super Nintendo uh, shoebox. And uh, it was pretty cool, man. Got to come home and got everybody got Valentines and that kind of stuff. And uh, hey, you know what? I wish they did the parties the day after Valentine's Day because, hey, 50% off candy, that's where it's at. So uh, anyways, uh, yeah, Valentine's Day, we'd love to hear your comments uh, to some of these questions, man, and just to see, like, what what do you do for Valentine's Day? But, hey, I don't want to keep you on here too long. Just want to jump on and uh, dive into our next portion. Me and Jason have been working our way through the book of Acts. If you remember last week, we uh, spent some time in Acts chapter 3. Uh, and today, we're going to dive into chapter 4 and just move along. I want to read uh, the first, start in the first verse of Acts chapter 4. Remember in Acts chapter 3, we just got done seeing Peter and John who were headed to the temple to pray. And they did it all the time. It was a custom thing. They just did it. It was a, it was a discipline, as we said last week. Uh, they were headed to the temple to pray. And as they were headed to the temple to pray, there's this man who has been lame from birth. He couldn't walk from birth. And if you remember the story, they, they heal this man. Uh, they don't give him what he wants. He wants money. Money doesn't fix it. 
it only just uh, prolongs the problem. And so um, no one's ever done this. So these guys, they bring something better. They, they heal this man. He, um, you know, he gets up, he's excited, you know, you know, and that's of course going to happen when you haven't walked your entire life. He gets up and he's walking and leaping and praising God through this. And not only that, but people are seeing it. And they are, they're like, wow, I got to check this thing out. Like, I want to see more of what this is all about. And um, this happens and it seems like it's such a good thing and it's a happy thing. And, but there's some people who are upset about this. And so we, we read on uh, continuing in the story here in Acts chapter four, verse one, it says this, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and so the number of men grew to about 5,000. So a couple things here. This response from the religious leaders probably sounds a little bit surprising, right? Peter and John have just healed this man. They gave this man a, a new lease on life. They, they restored his dignity. He's given freedom and opportunity to become this contributing member of society. And so, so you would expect the religious leaders here, they, they would have, you know, made a big deal out of this, you know, to celebrate Peter and John at the, at the very least they'd give them, you know, maybe a key to the city or, you know, but instead they show up and they arrest these two, right? They arrest Peter and John. And instead of being overly excited about it, we're told that the leaders are greatly disturbed and, and we're told why, you know, Peter and John, they're proclaiming the resurrection of the dead. And that was a problem because the Sadducees were a certain sect of Jewish leaders who were totally resistant to this idea of resurrection, right? And by the way, it shouldn't surprise us that Peter and John were talking to the to the people about you know resurrection because as we've already talked about, the resurrection of Jesus is you know the the foundational truth of our faith. You know, if, if Jesus is still dead, then Jesus was a lame lying leader because he said he would rise you know but if, if jesus is still dead then he then he's not a lord he's a lunatic right but but if if jesus is still dead we're, we're wasting our time right now you know because why why even why even talk about this about a man who who is nothing more than you know nothing more nothing less than, than a lunatic but but we know Jesus isn't dead. We know he's alive. We know he's well. And so that that message was forever on the lips of his followers, right? And the, re and the resurrection of Jesus should forever, I think, be on our minds and on our lips. And, you know, and I'm, I'm not necessarily suggesting that you, you know, parade around your neighborhood or your town, you know, screaming at the top of your lungs and that kind of stuff. It's probably not going to be very effective, uh, not a very effective method, or at least I found that, you know, that's that's usually more of a a turn off than anything else. But, but, but I am suggesting that as you introduce people to Jesus, don't waste too much time before you let them know about his crucifixion and his resurrection. Um, you know, because one is, is meaningless without the other. It really is. Right. If Jesus just died for something he believed in, he's like a lot of other people before and after him. But if he died 
and he rose back to life, then he's unlike anybody else. He is Messiah and Savior. And so Peter and John, they knew that Jesus' resurrection had restored their own lives. And so when they they set out on their uh, mission to be the good news and share the good news, they knew the resurrection but the good and the good news of Jesus. And so they, they weren't going to you know, let the possibility of offending some religious leaders stop them from doing it. But as we've seen, we've seen that the religious leaders were offended. They were disturbed at the message being spread. And so they arrest Peter and John. Now, Peter and John's um, imprisonment or being put in, in prison Mark the, the the first incident of, the, of of church persecution, so to speak, and and it definitely won't be the last. I mean, this is just kind of the the very tip of the iceberg, as we see here in Acts chapter four, when it comes to uh, persecution. You know, in a few weeks when we continue on in Acts, we're going to see a man named Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr, um, meaning he he was the first person that was killed for his faith in Jesus. Um, but religious persecution is a, is a very foreign idea to us. Um, but it's a daily reality for a lot of Christians, you know, because um, they face this kind of stuff daily. Uh, and we need to be aware of those things that are going on. I mean, obviously, we don't face that here in the Western part of the world, but as much, uh, maybe a little bit of persecution. Persecution is a lot different now in this side of the world than it is in other places of the world. But what, what's so interesting, and we see it here in Acts chapter 4, is that the persecution is intended to squash the flame of the church, right? To, to put out the flame of the church. But in a, in a twist, persecution, it always fans the flame and makes it bigger. We, we see that. When, when Peter and John are arrested, you expect the next sentence to say, you know, so, so the growth came to a halt, or, or so the church closed its doors. But, but we don't see that. It says in the very next verse, it said, but many who heard the message believed. Remember, remember what we've been saying. The church is empowered by the Holy Spirit is the most unstoppable movement of people in human history. The, the church has always advanced and will continue to advance, you know, no matter who tries to stand in the way or stop it. The church cannot be stopped. And we, we, we see that and those are Jesus's words. Well, so continuing on the next the next part of the story after you know spending the evening in jail Peter and John were taken to testify before this Sanhedrin okay which was um the religious authority of the day okay you know one would think that a a night in a cold uh jail cell would probably be enough to convince anyone to be a, to be quiet for a little bit like hey you know, you spend the night in jail. It's cold. It's it's probably not great conditions. Uh, you'll you'll be quiet after you spend the night in jail. In jail, um, you know, just just for you know your own your own safety and freedom, if for no other reason, um, you know, maybe a night in shackles would help you realize that, hey, maybe you should just lay low for a little bit. Um, you know, and 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 we see that. Um, and, and we don't want to say a whole lot. If if Peter and John would have done that, then probably this whole mess that they were in could have quickly been resolved, and maybe even quietly, um, if they just would have shut up, right? But read what verse 7 says in, in chapter 4. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. 
by what power or what name did you do this? And, and as the story plays out, we're told that Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, use this, this question as, a, as an opportunity here to share the same message with the religious leaders as he had the day before in front of the large crowd, right? The, 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 there was no, um, you know, cute introduction or no outline, you know, just, just one clear message, really. You murdered Jesus and God raised him from the dead. And, and, and sharing such a bold message about Jesus in the 21st century on a, on a street corner you know, uh, could be equivalent or during this time could be equivalent to, you know, what it would be like in the 20, you know, 21st century New York city. We, you know, there's no legal issues at stake is, you know, one thing, but, but, but doing so in the first century while standing before the Sanhedrin, well, it's something completely different, you know, People in New York City may be annoyed if you were to do that now, but Sanhedrin had the authority to have Peter and John, you know, thrown in jail or imprisoned or beaten or, you know, even worse, right? And for Peter and John, this was was not a, a low stakes thing. You know, they're, they're all in. They're, they were, this wasn't just like, well, we tried, let's give up. You know, and I, and I hope that phrase for all of us could be the same thing. We're, we're all in. I hope that describes us as well. You know, we, we, we see this message and this mission that we have as, as Christians uh, is not just like a part-time gig or, you know, sometimes a priority, but not all the time. I, I hope that we find ourselves in the same boat just saying, hey, I'm all in on this. I'm all in. Like, this is, this is all the time mission, not just part of the time. There's a, uh, a great sense of urgency to the message that we've been sent to share. And so I think that's really, really important for us and, uh, and us being intentional. We, we, we want to be intentional. You know, last week we talked a lot about being intentional with people, you know, um, because you never know if you could just get somebody to Jesus, you never know what kind of good things are going to happen. We said in the last episode and, and my guess is that, you know, I'm not the only one that needs to be in t- more intentional. In fact, I, I would encourage you uh, to do, you know, a little bit of what I've done in the past is I've, I've written down names. Like, cause you may look around and say, well, I, I don't, I don't have much opportunity, you know, but just, you know, just start writing down a list of names or faces of people who maybe live around you or maybe who work with you, um, who go to school with you. Um, and you'll find what like, I find that, you know, what I found was that there's, there's tons of opportunity. And, and what we need is, is not more opportunity necessarily, but we need to be more intentional with the opportunities that we already have. And this is exactly what Peter and John were doing in Acts. They were, um, you know, taking advantage of this opportunity to share the good news. I mean, this was an opportunity that they could have just said, you know what? We've done enough damage here. We're just going to be quiet. The stakes are high, but they realized that the news was too good and the opportunity was too great to let it pass. And so standing in front of these, these men, you know, responsible for killing Jesus, they shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and after Peter finished his message, we read maybe, maybe what I consider the most captivating statement in this entire chapter. Verse 13. This is crazy. Listen to this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, 
they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John are referred to here as unschooled, ordinary men. And and to us, that that may sound um, maybe a little insulting, you know, because they're apostles. And not only that, but they're they're Bible characters, you know, but but they're described as unschooled, ordinary men because that's exactly what they were. When Jesus met Peter, remember, he was a fisherman. He wasn't especially educated and and never went to, to Bible college or seminary. You know, he 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 caught fish for a living. He 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 was a passionate guy with a, a kind of a reputation for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, you know, just just an ordinary guy. And John, he he's also a fisherman. He'd been part of the the family fishing business, you know, with his dad and his brother James. Um, you remember Jesus called James and John the sons of thunder because um, apparently they had a little problem with their temper. Um, <laughs> but but John uh, was from Galilee, and he'd never been through any kind of training. He didn't have a PhD, just a fisherman, right? Pretty ordinary guy. I don't know about you, but. But I'm comforted that Peter and John were just unschooled, ordinary men, because it's a reminder to me that, you know, if God could use them in such a powerful way, then, you know, he can use me. He can use people like us. You know, those of you who are listening on here, I don't know if there's anybody on here that's ordinary like me, but, you know, I'm just I'm just an ordinary guy. Or I'd I'd like to think that, you know, And, and the truth is, is individually, we could be pretty accurately described as ordinary. You know, and, and most of us maybe get upset, you know, when we are labeled as an ordinary person because, you know, we want to be distinct and we want to stand out and we a lot of times crave the spotlight. And so ordinary isn't what dreams are made of, you know, or anything like that. But if but if the truth be told, we're, we're pretty ordinary people. Now, some of us, some of you guys listening to this, you may, you may be extraordinarily smart or maybe extraordinarily beautiful or wealthy or whatever. I know I'm not, but but maybe you are. Um, <laughs> but most of us are pretty ordinary people. And in the Bible, we're reminded over and over again that God does extraordinary things with some of the most ordinary people. In fact, you can look through scripture and you can see that, you know, God almost seems to prefer using unspectacular people. Uh, you know, you think of... Um, you, know, you go to the Old Testament when God needed a a, a soldier who's going to stand up and fight Goliath. He chose, you know, a little shepherd boy named David. That's that's an easy one for us to call out. When God needed a leader to go and rescue his people from from slavery in Egypt, instead of you know cho- choosing this um, this guy who could speak really well, and uh, he he chose this insecure guy with a stutter named Moses. Uh, when when God needed someone to protect the lives of spies that had been sent um, in his name, all of, of all the people that he chose, you know, he could have selected, he, he chose a prostitute named Rahab. And here in Acts chapter four, when God wanted someone to stand for truth in front of the, the highest and the most powerful religious leaders of the day, he chose Peter and John, right? Former fishermen, Two ordinary guys with no schooling, no theological degree. And because of their boldness, they overturn the religious power of the day. And so God often chooses, and this is a message in that, if you'll listen, if God often, he chooses the, the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. And because that's true, I can't help but wonder what, what plans God intends to accomplish through us. 
something for you to remember. You know, who knows what God would do and how God could use just an ordinary people to affect and change a community. You know, God could use just ordinary people to show one by one what it means to be loved unconditionally. And he could raise up an ordinary family, you know, to who maybe feels com- compelled to move to, uh, you know, maybe a third world country to share the gospel with, you know, people who are unreached for Jesus. You know, God, God might choose um, just ordinary, you know, and, and I think of this in our own church, God might use, you know, ordinary uh, boys, you know, from, from, from a children's ministry to become a modern day Paul, you know, going around and, and preaching to, to millions of people around the globe. I don't know. I, I find Acts chapter four, verse 13 captivating because, because of the way Peter and John are described, but perhaps even more so because of how and why the leaders determined Peter and John must have spent time with Jesus. It said that, that, that they, if you remember there in that verse, it says that they, um, that they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You know, what made it apparent to the religious leaders that, that Peter and John had been with Jesus was, was not their biblical knowledge. Okay. It wasn't their physical appearance, but it was their courage. And that may sound surprising until you remember that you know, some of these very uh, religious leaders would have been present during the the trials of Jesus, you know, not not long before they, you know, they'd questioned Peter and John. They they'd questioned Jesus. If anyone would have been attempted to to cave under the pressure or, you know, to explain away, you know, some of his earlier claims that he had made or whatever, it would have been Jesus. After all, you know, he he knew what was coming. He wasn't going to be threatened or released like Peter and John were. He he was going to be hung on a cross to die. And so when the men asked him, you know, if he really was the king of the Jews, he could have just kind of backed away from that claim or denied even saying something like that. And instead, you know, with with death staring him right in the face, he he just says, hey, it's it's as you say. And, you know, that night as the religious leaders had Jesus beaten and mocked and crucified, they. They could deny him his dignity, they could deny you know, that he was who he claimed to be, but there was one thing they couldn't deny, and that was his courage, his courage. And when Peter and John stared at this punishment that was right in their face, and they didn't back down or back away from, from what they knew to be true, well, they put their courage on display. And it's no wonder that the religious leaders, they took note that they'd been with Jesus. You know, the more you read you know, about the church, the more you learn about the church, the more you'll see that this was not just an isolated, you know, display of courage from Jesus's followers. It it was a lifestyle, right? Like, in fact, you know, historians suggest that at least 10 of Jesus's first disciples were killed as a result of their commitment to him. Like these guys died for what they preach, you know, it's, it's like the old cliche. You guys have probably heard this before, you know, practicing what they preach, put their money where their mouth is. That's what these guys did. These guys preached the gospel message about him and were killed as a result of it. You know, and, and based on this pattern, it, it sort of seems that dying for Jesus is kind of like a, a prerequisite to be considered a person of courage, but, but that's not the case. You know, 
There's one thing that requires the same courage as dying for Jesus, and that is this, living for Jesus you know, daily, you know, in, in the good times and the bad times and the sickness and in health and poverty, uh, when you have money, um, you know, when, when it's popular, when it's not popular, you know, living for Jesus daily requires courage. You know, I think of, I think of like a, you know, a husband who's married to a, a wife who, who maybe is an unbelieving wife, isn't a follower of of Christ. And maybe, you know, she mocks him daily, mocks his faith. And yet, you know, he continues to love her, you know, as, as an expression of his faith in Jesus Christ, you know, I think of the missionary who's working you know, with people who don't know Jesus, you know, and, and, and early in life, he, he committed to spending all his days working among those people. And at first it seemed like a thrill, but you know, now he's so many years into his work, there isn't even one conversion, you know, not one person's come to, to Christ and he's, he's feels like he's tempted to quit. And yet he just keeps going because he's convinced that, you know, this light's about to pierce through the darkness. I think about, you know, a a middle-aged Christian who's been diagnosed with cancer, you know, one, one day he's, he's, you know, working out and exercising and running the next day, you know, he can't even hardly tie his shoes. Family always depended on him for everything. And now he's depending on them for everything. And, you know, and if you've been following Jesus very long, you don't need to really even ask anybody about the courage required to do so because you just know. And if you don't know yet, you will eventually, you know, because following the life of Jesus is right and it's rewarding, but it isn't easy. It's not for the faint of heart, you know, and if you're listening to this, I just want to encourage you to understand that like courage is required and not only is courage required to to carry out this mission that we've been given, but, you know, to be the good news and to share the good news with people who are both near and far, but, but we have, um, we have to have this dose of courage or this heavy dose of courage just to face the daily circumstances of life, you know? And, and I would say maybe some of you right now are in a little bit of curtain in need of a little bit of courage, you know? And if, and if I could just ask you, like, in fact, if I just asked you, like, if you just finished this sentence, what would it say? Like, I need courage to, you know, I don't know, fill in the blank. I need courage to maybe overcome an addiction. I need courage to face my fear of failure. I need courage to speak truth that may be difficult truth into a relationship. Um, I need the courage to battle my cancer, whatever it is. How would you complete that sentence? You know, whatever it would be, uh, you're probably not capable on your own. You're probably not, you, you, you probably, it's, you know, the easier thing to do is just turn away or to fall under pressure or, you know, blend into the crowd or bite your tongue or whatever. But, but when you're filled with the Holy spirit, okay, hear me on this. When you're filled with the Holy spirit, your story can be a story of, of, of hope and boldness and courage. If you're a follower of Christ and, and you've given your life to him, He's given his spirit to you, that indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to sit back and watch other people live courageous lives, you know, and wonder what it must be like. You're empowered to live with Christ-like courage, right? You have that power to do the same thing, to live a life like that. 
And so as, as, as Acts chapter four ends, we find the religious couldn't, couldn't really determine a way to punish Peter and John because, because all the crowds are praising God because of this, right? Because of the miracle that just taken place. And, and rightly so, like this guy, man, is just, I mean, they are just, wow, they are in awe. And so they determined uh, to release them. The leaders do, but before they did so, they ordered them. They kind of, you know, pulled them to the side and said, listen, you need to no longer talk about Jesus. You know, don't, don't say another word about him. Like, like that was really going to happen. Right. But that's what they say. Hey, you guys, I don't want to hear any more of this Jesus talk anymore. You know, it's like telling my kids to, you know, stop asking for ice cream after supper, you know, like that's not going to happen. Um, crazy stuff. Next week, we're going to get into Acts chapter five. And, uh, this is going to involve a married couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And I'll just tell you, they both get killed by God during offering time. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Essentially, they were killed for lying and being stingy. And so, uh, you know, you might keep that in mind as you head to your Sunday service, wherever you head to this week. I'm, I'm joking. But but it's a, it's a fascinating story. Um, I would I would say probably Ananias and Sapphira would disagree. Uh, we're going to dive into that as Jason gets back next week, but I just want to I just want to focus really quickly here before I before I uh, sign off here on today's podcast. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, you know, especially now that Jason's not here to help me um, today. Uh, but but I just want to close with this. I want to I want to turn your attention to a verse in Acts chapter four that that I I intentionally didn't focus on um, earlier on. The verse was the last statement in Peter's message, and it seems appropriate to kind of be the last statement that we use here on the podcast today, but it's verse 12 of Acts chapter four, and here's what it says. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. And maybe, maybe some of you would complete the sentence this way. You know, I, I need to give, uh, I need the courage to give my life to Jesus, to make him Lord and savior of my life. And I just wonder like, if there's anybody who's hearing that today, who needs to hear that today, like, Hey, there's no other name. Salvation's found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved in the name of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And so I don't know where you're at today, but I just pray that you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, make today that day where you would surrender your life to Christ because of salvation is found in no one else. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Anchor. Uh, go check out all those uh, areas where you can listen, subscribe, share. We would love to hear from you. Send us your comments. And uh, hey, next week we'll be diving back into the book of Acts. We'll be heading to uh, Acts chapter 5. But I would encourage you, don't forget your courage. Uh, go take it somewhere today. Can people tell that you've been with Jesus? Can people tell that you've been with Jesus just by having a conversation with you? And not only that, remembering that salvation is found in no one else but Jesus and Jesus alone. We'll talk to you all later. Have a great week. Peace. This has been a Behind the Micah podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check us out next week. 
And remember, we're always striving to love God, love others, and serve both.